You are listening to audio messages from Sunday mornings at Horizon. It is our hope and desire that this podcast would be a useful tool in your growth and in your walk with Christ. If you've not yet subscribed to our various channels, make sure you do so in order to stay up to date with the most current messages. More information about Horizon, as well as notes for this message, can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, we are in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to finish up chapter 2 today. And we've just covered a lot of ground. We've been using the statement, hold it high, guard it well, and pass it on. I'll warn you, today's message may be a little bit of a zinger. So uh, prepare thyself. Um, as we talk about, we talk about gifts. They're not automatic. They need to be fanned into flame. And how often Paul says, God, Timmy, you've you got to fan my son. You need to fan this gift that God has given you. Set it ablaze that you can't live a committed life to Jesus without paying a price. There is a price to pay. We'll see that more in chapter 3 when Paul writes. About courage, courage is not possible apart from a strong biblical conviction that you have. We've said that, we talked about soldiers, that a soldier refuses to allow earthly matters to interfere, that, that an athlete is going to win, but he's not going to take shortcuts, that a farmer is not lazy and, and because he's going to wait for the reward of his planting in the harvest. We talked about defending the truth, not opinions, that your mission is unstoppable because his mission is unstoppable. Talk about practicing what you preach that Paul is telling Timothy. He'll reiterate that today again. And the inscriptions on stones that, that gives us hope is one that the Lord knows who are his. He knows who you are. He knows his, who are his, and he's not ever going to forget that. And that everyone whose name, uh, the name of the Lord, is to abstain from wickedness, that there is a cost of obedience that is is asked of us as his children. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 10, 9, it says this, the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. And when you look at the stories of Moses and Daniel, of Ruth and Esther and all the other biblical characters, you will find something consistent in their life. You will not find perfection. That's why I love the Bible. It includes people that were, had problems, major problems. So he's not talking about perfection. He's not talking about easy times because every one of these characters had difficult times that they had to go through. What they had in common was character. And that is something that is built by the Lord that he begins to instill in us. And, but it's a choice whether we're going to choose to be men and women of God of character or not. Now, the thing is, there's competence. I mean, when you're hiring someone for a job, you want someone who is competent. Yeah, you want something of character as well. And even as we hired, we just hired Steve there in Lodi, you want someone who's chemistry. You can't test chemistry. Chemistry is just how you guys get along. And that's why sometimes hiring a new employee, it's kind of like jumping out of a plane you know, with a parachute, you're stuck for a while as you're trying to figure this out. And so when chemistry works great and you can teach competency, but character, how important character is. 
I mean, I want competency. When, when I went to look for someone to do the surgery on this leg, I mean, I interviewed several doctors. I interviewed some doctors that, that thought they were God. Some of you guys know some of those doctors that literally think they're God. I had one doctor that I was trying because I had a certain procedure I wanted done, and this was the only one within Kaiser who do, did this surgery. And so I contacted him, which is a nice thing about Kaiser. I said, hey, just curious, how many, how many sur of these surgeries have you done? Well, let's get together and talk about it. And, uh, but I, I assure you, we'll do a great job. I said, well, how many? And he still wouldn't answer. I said, is it so many that you can't count? Or is it so little that you're afraid to say? And he finally said, one. Okay. <laughs> but I'm an, I'm an artist, he said, when it comes to cutting and things. I'm going... I, yeah, I don't think so. And that's why we went to Oklahoma. You know, I wanted, I, when you're wanting a surgeon who's going to cut on you, you want someone that has a little cockiness that he's good at it but doesn't think he's God in the process. But you want someone who has character. And Timothy, Paul has been trying to build this character in Timothy. Swindoll says this about character. He's written a lot about character. He says, great character like, is like massive roots that grow deep, within, uh, grow deep when water is sparse and winds are strong. Character. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 through 26 reads this way. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble purposes. If, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for the noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee evil desires of youth and pursue righteous, righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. Who has taken them captive to do his will. Verse 20. In a large house, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for, and some of your translations say, honorable purposes and dishonorable purposes. Growing up, we had a cabin up in the mountains, and we had an outhouse at this cabin. I mean, we eventually put plumbing inside. But upstairs, where all the beds were at, we had a second John, we called it. Some of you would call that a chamber pot. Some of you, now I'm dating myself in that. So have you guys, who's had to use one of those? Raise your hand, all right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that's in a house because it'd be too cold to go outside or too dark and you just kind of take care of business inside the house and then you'd go and dump the chamber pot, right? And I, I don't know why, I wish I would have kept that from the cabin. Uh, it could have been great, great use through this whole process, but... It, that's not something that you put in, you know, the front room and say, hey, here's our chamber pot, you know, take a look. It's usually something you're hiding away. It's not something you're showing off. 
I mean, you go to your most homes, you have shelves. You go into our sunroom, there's a beautiful hutch there, and it has a bunch of pottery and boots and ropes and Western, Western things of my parents that are on display there. Some of you may showcase your china, but the china's only taken out when? I mean... <laughs> Special occasions, right? I mean, it's not, you don't, you have other plates to use during those times. Because in every house, there are things that are very honorable. You show it off and there are things you hide under the sink and you don't want everyone to know about. But they're needed. They're there. And in this large house, he says, and he's speaking of the church now. He's not talking of the world. In this large house, there are believers. There are believers who are honorable and there are believers who are dishonorable. Follow this. That's why if you, the good soldier, you know, the competitive athlete, the hardworking farmer, as opposed to the lethargic farmer, the lazy athlete, and the cowardly soldier. Back to character, we choose which one we are going to be in this process. And as he looks at, there are those things that are honorable and those things that are dishonorable. All believers should be honorable, but aren't always. They're not always vessels of honor. And that's why verse 2 says, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made wholly useful to the master and prepared for any good work. If he cleanses himself. Now, he's not talking about salvation because he's talking to the church. He's talking about to people who've already made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Back in 1979, I made a commitment to Jesus Christ. My sins were forgiven. I was sanctified at that moment. He is still sanctifying me, but he wants me to desire for me to live a different life. But here's the deal. It is totally up to me that once I made that decision to follow Christ, am I going to be attentive and purposefully desire to live a life that is honoring to him? That I have to pursue that because if I don't, I will easily go back to living the life I was before. Does that make sense? How do I cleanse myself then? Now, some of you may know what this is. Anyone know what this is? It's, it's called Little John. I should have bought a couple cases of it because I think I could probably sell some of these today. This is fantastic. It's a urinal. It's an industrial urinal. I mean, it's got a great screw top on it. I mean, this sits next to my bed. Uh, it, it's, it's great, so I don't have to if I have the urge at night. Some of you are going, this is really sick. Trust me. I, I was going to make this sicker, but I, I chose not to go that route. But this is it's, it's fantastic. If you don't have one of these, little John, this, a matter of fact, I buy them by the case because people give me opportunity where somebody says, hey, uh, my friend, just I just met with him yesterday. Uh, I mean, Saturday and, uh, no, excuse me, Friday. And I brought him one of these because he's a brand new amputee. And I said, I have a gift for you. You'll never forget me. I promise. You may forget my name, but you won't forget me. Uh, and I give them one of these. I said, this will save your life. This, will, this is something that you will say, I thank you, God, for Tim, uh, because he brought this to me. Because it's useful. 
But if I all of a sudden popped open a Pepsi and poured Diet Pepsi in this, some of you would be walking out right then. Some of you would be up chucking it. No, because I, you know what goes in here. Just curious, how much would I have to clean this to pop a Pepsi in this to drink? See, I, I had that extra, I was going to do that and hide one and bring, bring it out because it looks the same, pour a Pepsi and drink in it, but you guys would have thrown up and that would have been it. So, well, let me ask you this. Could I cleanse this to the point to drink a Diet Pepsi out of it? Yeah, you could. It'd take a lot of work. I could choose to cleanse it if I wanted to. I'm called to cleanse myself. There's a guy in Iran, he's 83 years old. Amu Haji is his name. This guy literally has not taken a bath in 65 years. 65 years. He supposedly had some traumatic experience with water when he was a child and so he has not bathed. In, can you imagine how dirty he is? He does cut his hair, but how he cuts his hair, he puts his hair in the fire so it burns it off. That's the only thing he does. 65 years unclean. But even this guy, you can get him clean. It's going to take some time. God is saying, guys, as believers, we are to be honorable. We are to be useful. We are to be prepared for every good work. We're to be holy, set apart. But some of you have chosen not to be. Some of you have chosen to allow the ways of this world to connect itself to you. And if a vessel is to be usable by God, it has to be clean. It has to be. David. King David, love King David, read the Psalms, mighty king, yet he had problems, adultery, murder, I mean, the list is long. But the one thing he kept coming back to, yet even though he was, all those things, God also said of him, he's a man after my own heart. Because he knew what it meant to get cleansed. Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, search me, O God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, oh God. See what's inside of here. I mean, this is a guy who sought after God all the time, but he continued to say, I need you to search me. What's, what's hidden away in here? Because I can lie to myself. I can fool you guys, and I can even fool myself, but I can't fool God. Search what's inside of here, God. Test me and know of my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me, things that I didn't even know existed inside me. Because God wants to cleanse our heart. God wants to cleanse our eyes, our words, our actions. And that has to be something that we choose to do. Because a vessel of honor is one that he says, it says there, is set apart. It's made holy. I was made holy when I came to Christ, but I have to continue to sanctify myself. I got to continue to make myself holy. I got to continue to cleanse myself along the way. 
And when I do that, I set myself apart, both that negatively, I'm turning away from sin, but also I'm preparing myself that there's something unique about me because I'm focusing after God. There's something unique about you when you focus after God. 1 Peter 1, 2 says, You have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of His Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkled by His blood. You've been chosen to obey. You've been chosen to set apart, be set apart. Useful to the Master, verse 21 continues to say, Useful to the master because when I gave my life to Jesus Christ at that college library, I knew I was getting, it was no mistake. It wasn't, Tim, do you just want to be forgiven so you don't go to hell? I mean, that, that wasn't, that was part of the conversation. But are you willing to swear allegiance to Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, as Paul puts it here, your master? That's why he writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Cleanse yourself. Set yourself apart as being holy. Be ready as the, for the master who can use you, prepared for good works, it says here. This carries the idea that this willingness of eagerness and be, to be ready to be used by him in whatever capacity that you've prepared yourself. Again, one of my life verses is where it talks about that we were saved for a reason, that God has given us a task of good works that he has set before creation to do for us. And when we choose to cleanse ourselves, when we choose to set ourselves apart, when we choose to make ourselves ready for the master, when we are ready for every good work, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. Why? Because when we are choosing to be vessels of honor, he will say, I'm going to give you what you need. These are the resources to do everything that I've chosen for each one of you to do the good works to bring people to the saving knowledge of Christ. Colossians 1.10, Paul writes, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. A vessel is to be, use, to be usable, must be clean. Now, I'm going to count to three, and I want us to take a big, deep breath and exhale. Ready? One, two, three. Because <sighs> these verses aren't pleasant coming. When he's talking about vessels that honor him, that means there are vessels that dishonor him in his large house. Titus 1.16 says this. Well, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. God wants to use you as a vessel of honor to do good works, 
but you've chosen to remain unclean. You've chosen to allow things of the world to dirty you. Whether it's an immoral lifestyle, whether it's being doctrinally corrupt in your beliefs. We get to this place, a dangerous place, that that kind of person is more dangerous than a pagan or an atheist. Because you're promoting a lifestyle promoting a lifestyle that it tells the world I can say I love Jesus and live any way I want and that's not true Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9 I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters in that case you would have to leave the world but now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother or sister in Christ, but a sexually immoral, greedy, idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, a swindler. With such people do not even eat. He's not talking about people who, who have sinned and fall and repent and come clean. He's talking about those people that I accept Jesus and I can do anything I want. I can live any way I want. I can sleep with anybody I want, drink as much as I want, steal, cheat, treat people horribly, but I'm going to heaven someday. Trust me, as a pastor who has to do funerals, everyone wants to go to heaven when they die. And everyone believes that that person is in a better place. Guys, if my testimony, if, if I'm saying, yeah, I love Jesus, but I'm choosing not to be different, I'm not choosing not to be set apart, because it's my choice. I can't save myself from sin. Only Jesus can do that. But how I live that point is where Paul is saying, cleanse yourself. Take time to get rid of these things. Even Paul said, there are people, with, and he's talking to the church in court, there's people that you're celebrating because of their lifestyle, thinking you're all open-minded, receiving these people in. Throw these people out, it says. And that's, you're going, wait a minute, Tim, that's pretty rough. You know, that's why the Bible's, in, you know, it's outdated, it's old. No, it's not. It's calling people to account. It's Paul saying, guys... There are those vessels within this big house that are honorable and those that are not. To those who are honorable, I want to use and I will use. To those who are dishonorable, cleanse yourself. Now he tells this. And it's, let me, I'm going to count to three again. Let's take a big deep breath. And One, two, three. And look to somebody to your left or right and say, that, that's pretty rough. That's, that's pretty hard. I don't, I don't, I don't want to mix messages here, guys. As believers in Christ, we have a higher calling. He's not saying about people outside the world. They don't know, know, they don't know Jesus. They need to know Jesus, but they need clean vessels to tell them about it. Because I guarantee you, the ones who are dishonoring aren't drawing anybody. 
It's us living by a different standard, living by a different light to bring light to the darkness. So what do you do? Paul tells us, verse 22, Timothy, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. Now, when it says flee the evil desires of youth, Timothy was in his mid-30s, maybe 40 years old, so he's not talking to young people and us older people are off the hook. It hit me, I'm going, why does he say flee the evil desires of youth? It's because the same things that bugged you in your youth are bugging you today. The lust that you had as a youth for fame, for fortune, for, for, for lust, for people, for attraction, whatever it may be, those same lusts that hounded you, that just pursued you are still pursuing you today. And there are some who have let it catch up to you. Timothy, you want to be a person of character, you want to be a person who's honorable, an honorable vessel that I want to use, then flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. Flee from the lust of money, flee from the lust of the flesh, the power and control, the admiration, the achievement. Flee those things, but as you're fleeing, pursue the things of God. Pursue righteousness. This word righteousness means that you're doing things that are godly, that you're doing things that are just and right. Pursue those things. Pursue faith that totally looks to God and trusts God for the things. I'm, I'm leaning into faith. I'm trusting you, God. Pursue love where it's extending grace to those people, loving them beyond themselves and just saying, guys, I love you and I'm going to speak the truth to you. Pursue that. Pursue peace, that peace that passes all understanding which will guard your heart and your mind. Pursue that. And lastly, it says, pursue it with other people because you're not meant to do this alone. It's with others that you pursue this. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Find strength in others who are pursuing the same thing. That's why if you're part of a company or business or any organization that are all pursuing the same thing, it's a joy because you're all pointed in the same direction. You're all believing in the same, same vision of what's to take place. And Paul's saying, pursue this, flee this, pursue that, because if a, if a believer does not run from the sin and toward righteousness, he'll be overtaken by sin every time. Sin is relentless. You can't stop pursuing righteousness. You have to flee from the sins of the youth. And we could all name them if we took the time of what is pursuing you right now? Is it money? Is it sex? Is it to be somebody? Is it fame? Goes on in verse 23. Don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. As I have never argued anyone into the kingdom of God, ever. When you start arguing and quarrel, basically you've already lost the conversation. If it's escalated to that part. And again, Timothy had been told this before already. Don't have anything to do with foolish. The word foolish in Greek is moros, which we get the word moron from. 
Don't deal with morons. Don't deal with stupid people. Stupid arguments. Don't, don't dive into that because you know that they just produce quarrels and in quarrels, no one ever wins. And leaders, guys, if we're going to be leaders within our faith, in our families, in our communities, within our job, leaders don't fight, they influence. That's what leaders do. Timothy, choose not to dive into this. That's why verse 24, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Because if you're the servant of the Lord, guys, you're not meant to argue people in. That's not how it works. Instead, be kind to everyone. Romans put today, hey, be kind to everyone as long as it's humanly possible. Because there's some people that just, it's hard to be around. None of you, that's all the second service people. No, it's hard sometimes to be kind to people that are just not nice people. But be kind. Influence. It's how easy it is you know, not to be resentful if you're ignored or if you're put down and not to pay back for what they've done to you, but teach them. This word teach is not that you know everything in the world and now you're going to bless them with your knowledge. It's taking the knowledge that you have and showing them in practical ways how this works. That's teaching. Take the truth that you have. I don't know all the truth. I know more than I did last year, but all right, Tim, take that and use that as an opportunity to speak into someone's life. That's why verse 25 and 26 read, those who oppose him, he must be gentle, gently instruct in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. There's going to be people who oppose you. And remember, he's talking to people within the church here. There'll be people who oppose what I say here and out there. There are going to be people who oppose what you say here and out there. But be gentle. Instruct them in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Let me stop there for a moment. Here's where the sovereignty of God plays out and how he chooses to use us in the process. As you're out there talking, as you're out there instructing and teaching, you pray that God will grant them repentance. I can't lead anyone to repentance. I can't bring conviction to anybody ever. That's God's job. And I'm telling you, in sharing your faith, if you just rest in the fact, I'm just opening my mouth to tell the truth. God's the one who brings conviction. God who brings the truth. And you may be out, man, I've shared my faith, but it's not working. I said, pray that God will give them, give them the ability to repent. That's not your job. Keep talking. Keep sharing. Keep instructing gently, not arguing because it's God who makes the move to give them the opportunity to repent. John, 8, John 6, 44, no one can come to the Father unless he's drawn by him. God does the drawing. That's not my job. My job is to present what God has done in my life in such a way that says it's true, it's real. 
Because when it says repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, what is the truth? It's the truth you've been telling them. That's the combination. God's drawing, but he still needs people to open their mouths. But he needs people who are honorable, who are pursuing righteousness, because when they open their mouth, people are going to be drawn to that. They're not going to be drawn. Oh, well, I'm going to take that back. They can be drawn. I mean, I can pray to receive Christ and still not change and do, do my lifestyle, do whatever I want. There are people that say that. Guys, that's not what the gospel is. You're praying that, that God will grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth, that they will come to their senses. If you remember the story of the prodigal son who left dad and just spent all his money and now he's feeding pigs, wishing that he could eat pig food. And that's the great line. Matter of fact, that's my mom's verse, she would say. When he finally came to his senses. That's not my job to bring someone to come to the senses. My, my job is just to, to be there to speak the truth, gently instruct them. And when God grants them the ability, when they come to their senses and go, ah, <laughs> you mean I'm here because of all these decisions I've made? Exactly. And there's the decision you can make to get out of that. God is drawing while we are sharing and they are given the opportunity to believe. How God's sovereignty works. I I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't bring conviction to anybody. But God could use my words. God could use your words especially when you're instructing and gently showing them and teaching them what you've known or come to understand. That all of a sudden, the light goes on. Ding. The guy who led me to Christ, I barely knew. He was in a class. That I, we both taught swimming to disabled students. That's all I knew of him. But God had been preparing me. God had sent me Gary Benacosta. God had sent me my mom. God had sent me people over and over again, planting seeds, planting seeds, planting seeds. So all of a sudden, this guy I don't know brought a Bible in a college library, asked me if I had a couple minutes and shared who Jesus was. And ding, I came to my senses. And that's God's job. Paul sent Timothy. There are many vessels in the house, large and small. They're used for different things. But the vessels of honor. God wants to use those in special ways. And in God's, in God's house, there are vessels of dishonor. But you don't have to stay there. Cleanse yourself. I mean, that cleansing is for all of us. Even if you're an honorable one, you got to keep cleansing. Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue peace. Pursue fellowship. Because it's in this context that you can grow. And when you flee from those youthful lusts that constantly hound you, you have to make a decision to turn away from those and pursue those things. Because it's then the master can use you for the good works which he had planned for you from the beginning. But you have to choose to cleanse yourself. 
You have to choose to be part of what I'm doing because when you're cleansed yourself and when you're talking about who I am and what you what I've done in your life then all of a sudden God begins to bring conviction and God brings them to a place where all of a sudden ding they've come to their senses and you get to be a part of that process that's why Acts 26 18 Acts 26 is an expansion of what Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus in the beginning of Acts. And these are Jesus' words, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, play, and place among those who are, be placed among those who are sanctified by faith in me. When we share our faith, when we are gently instructing Verse 26, uh, back to 2 Timothy, verse 26 says, then they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. The devil is at work. He's at work today. He'll always be at work. He has the same job to lie, to cheat, to steal, to rob. My job, Tim, I, I've sanctified you because of a decision you made in 1979. Your job is to continue to cleanse yourself, to be that vessel of honor because I've ch I want to use you in the good works which I planned for you. But you need to flee those, the, those lustful thoughts, those th things that are over money, over fame. And you need to flee from those youthful things that have continued to follow you and pursue the righteousness, pursue the faith, pursue the love, pursue the peace, pursue the fellowship because in that we work together. I'll bring conviction. You bring the truth. And we'll see people coming to the light being un, just taken away from the traps that the devil has caught them in. So the questions today are these. Am I a vessel of honor or dishonor? Only you know the answer to that question. A vessel to be usable has to be clean. Am I fleeing the youthful lusts and pursuing after God? Guys, that's a daily thing. It's not a Sunday morning thing. It's a daily thing. Because Satan doesn't give up, ever. Do I resolve quarrels or do I feed them? Do I just love to argue for our you saying? Or am I resolving them with gentleness, instruction? And lastly, am I partnering with God to gently share the truth of the gospel and hope that people can be freed from the traps of the devil, working in conjunction with a sovereign God who desires all people to be saved? Am I a vessel of honor or dishonor? You know the answer to that. If it's dishonor, cleanse yourself. Flee and pursue. Are you participating with him, sharing the truth in gentle ways? Because God's wanting to use you into these good works. But he wants to use vessels of honor, my choice to do. Father, I want to ask you to, to use us. I want us to all be vessels of honor, includes myself. How easy it is to get entangled, how easy it is for the lusts of our youth to catch up with us. Father, may we cleanse ourselves from those things.
and pursue the right things. It amazes me that the God of heaven that created everything I see wants to use me. I'm both humbled and honored of that thought. May we be men and women who are honorable to be used by the master for good work, set apart, different, bearing light to a lost world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.